Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. If you want to listen live in the central Indiana area, you can hear us on 93.5 FM and 107.5 FM. What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, the thickest double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I get logged on. You get logged on. Let's all get logged on together. It sounds really dirty, but it's actually not. I'm going to talk about Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. Welcome to the show on a Wednesday where visibly it looks fantastic outside right now. No doubt about that. Today we've got a couple of road shows coming up tomorrow. I'll get to a little bit later on. Oh, it is going to be good. I thought our Larceny Bourbon Locks and Luna Azul Tequila Shots for week number one was outstanding last Thursday. We got week two coming up tomorrow afternoon. And we've got Brent Halverson, I believe, Nally and Miller, the whole Hee Haw gang's going to be there at Joe's Grill coming up in Fishers. So cannot wait for that. That is tomorrow. Chiefs Colts tickets for you. I know a lot of you like to follow. And I do appreciate that. Chiefs-Colts tickets coming up on Friday. That's at Taylor's, too. I think originally I may have said someplace else, but lock this in on Friday. This gives you 48 hours worth of notice here. Taylor's Pub 2, which is up in Nora off of Westfield Boulevard right there. We love that place. We're going to be there coming up on Friday with Bud Light on a Blue Friday. And we are going to have at it, my friends, your chance at Chiefs-Colts tickets. Good to see a Bud Light again coming up on Friday. All right, Colts news today. No DeForest Buckner at practice. Those covering, we'll talk to some of those that covered the practice get-together earlier today, suggesting that everything's going to be all right. And I guess kind of guessing because you really don't know that he is going to play. And we'll find out about Alec Pierce, too. Alec Pierce... We talked about this on Monday. All we basically remembered was that dropped touchdown pass opportunity that he had. But, man, he in the uh, second half took an absolute wallop, helmet to helmet. I mean, it was bad. That thing gets you tossed in college for real right there. But he got a helmet to helmet. And then apparently, according to Frank Wright today, did show some concussion symptoms uh, once they got back here, I believe. So he is in concussion protocol right now. That is a story we'll continue to follow and talk to Zach Kiefer about that coming up in the uh, 5 o'clock hour, in fact, about that and a lot more, which I I guess leaves you to this. You're thinking, all right, so, you know, he dropped a touchdown pass. He's a rookie. You know, what do you expect? But again, now we'll see. If he's going to be able to play, if he's not going to be able to play, and how they handle it via that passing game, which was dominated by Michael Pittman Jr., and not much else was going on, which is familiar with this team 
And that part is unfortunate. We're going to see a lot. I mentioned this yesterday, and I don't get into the whole rah-rah, and I don't try to get into guys' head. I don't, maybe it's just me. Maybe I don't think I'm bright enough. I'm sure I'm not bright enough. But I don't try to say, well, this is what this guy is thinking, or clearly, you know, this is in his head. You know, kind of in the fashion in which we described what went down in that game late with Rodrigo Blankenship, the former Colts kicker. I don't really know what was going on in his head. I just know that his execution was befouled. Not once, not twice, but three times. And that final time was supposedly his position of excellence, the reason why he was on the team, a trustworthy position, uh, well within the range. You know, the other two things, the kicking out of bounds, that has not been his field of expertise, his field in general. But he took over that. Yeah, the field goal thing is is ultimately what mattered. I don't know if anything was going on in his head. I did mention this after those who kicks out of bounds when he trotted out there. The first thing you thought about actually is before that. You know, the first thing you thought about is, hey, go down and score a touchdown because I don't know. You know, and you're just going to say this, you don't really know. You don't know where this guy's head's at right now. And then they don't get down the field, don't get into the end zone, and you rely upon your place kicker, and that was a fail. Thus, they go out yesterday and get a couple of new place kickers in the fold. Uh, somebody you've seen here before, somebody that is a rookie out of Arizona, we discussed massively yesterday. But maybe you talk too much about this, and I never really get into the rah-rah part, but I did mention this yesterday to Stephen Holder. If you're this Colts team and you kind of see, maybe you don't, maybe you do block it out, maybe you don't care uh, a damn at all about what anybody around here says or writes or on TV says, but it would be tough not to recognize the embarrassment that went down for everybody in Jacksonville back in January. To me, Sunday is going to be a decent early season tale of the tape. That was my argument on Monday. Yeah, you go through the entire offseason and you come out and give you know, the better part of three quarters looking like that. How does that happen? I think I got a promo that's running that that says that too. Because that's what stuck out to me. How can you do that? And obviously, this all falls organizationally. This falls on the shoulders of the head coach. But we were talking to Stephen Holder yesterday, and you know these players, yeah, Rodrigo Blankenship had the accountability. I, I told Stephen Holder I felt that you know you're making a move because you, certainly you feel you need to. You're not going to stick up for him as you did Adam Vinatieri three years ago, because he just simply doesn't have that type of resume. But at the same time, it was the easiest move you could make coming off a massive, albeit a tie, but a massive disappointment. It is the easiest move you can make. If you wanted to try to describe him as a scapegoat, I think you could probably talk somebody into it debate-wise. But it, was, it wasn't so much that. It, he gave them every reason to need to find somebody else. We're going to put these guys under a heavy microscope on Sunday. Because we heard it across the board. Uh, nearly all the guys I talked to in reflection about last January and that overall embarrassment in Jacksonville. 
That's all we heard about was, you know, we, we're going to remember this. Uh, you stayed with me for a while, but you want to move it forward and then get a little bit of get back. And you thought that might happen in week number one, and certainly it didn't happen. And granted, I'm sure these guys don't listen. I don't expect them to listen. It'd be great if they did, but I don't expect them to listen. But if there's one game, feasibly, you would think these guys got to know the ramifications, the short-term past, it would just beyond being 0-0 and 1. Just put that aside for a moment. If this was the first game of the season, you know, think about what you would expect. Now, we already have, obviously, four quarters of football to break down a diagram, and we have to the best of our ability. But if this were the first game of the season, how would you expect them to come out? How would you expect them to come out on the field on Sunday against the Jacksonville team that's altogether not the same? Neither are the Colts. But most of which were around for, especially from a Colts standpoint, those jagged memories. And one of the chief reasons why, among other things, they felt the need to go out and find another quarterback. I don't know if they would want another Jim Ursay in front of a jet engine on the tarmac getting ready to get out of Jacksonville type of conversations if they rolled down there and lull through this game. So while there is no doubt everybody has made it a point about getting on Frank Reich, and you should, and you will, actually we all will join in on this until the expectations are met because that is what we're told. That is what we have been conditioned to believe. That is not the example that they have set. So everybody, while rightly so, getting on Frank Reich, I think you also should actively remember that a lot of these players that are playing coming up on Sunday were a part of that debacle back in January. How in the world do you go down there and let anything like that? um, Hey, listen, if you think Jacksonville's just better, that's one thing. I'm just going to paraphrasing here, but how do you let these dudes, how do you let these dudes hang around for a minute? Because when you think about this, Jacksonville team laughed right in to a crappy offseason for them. They laughed right into it, laughing, having fun. Do you remember that game? They're laughing, having fun. Oh, yeah, it's fun. That team sucked. They're having a great time. Why? <laughs> it was at the expense of the Colts. Their humor, their enjoyment was the frustration and the sadness and the embarrassment of the Colts. How could you not maintain an active thought that turns into a chip on your shoulder? Again, if you go out there and you crap this thing up on Sunday, and most of that, we talked about, well, if Frank Reich loses this, is he going to be on the hot seat? If this team goes down there and loses that game, who should be on the hot seat? I mean, we should probably go that direction, too. How do you guys not have that type of recognition? Unless all this is just made up about the level in which you're supposed to be. Man, is this a gauge or what? 
Am I wrong about that? And again, take the tie out of it. You already have a basis of comparison, and that's probably unfair to the argument. But just think about it from the standpoint, if this were week one and what you would expect. Oh, I know the past history of Jacksonville, especially in Jacksonville. It's it's really it's stuff of needs an exorcism type of legend here. It's basically it doesn't not necessarily about this particular team or this particular it's it's really just those memories of going down there. Now, they're not good ones. But if you were ever going to be ready to play, kind of like what we talked about Houston last week. Houston's a team that Let's face it, sucks. They do. Now, I know what you saw. Well, they're not that bad. Yeah, they are that bad. They will be that bad. They just weren't that bad because the Colts were really bad. And the Colts were fortunate to squeeze out a tie. I guess the Texans feel fortunate the Colts went down there and gave them two and a half, three quarters of awful football so they could squeeze out that tie so that their head coach could play for a tie. So you have that basis of comparison, and that is a bit unfair to the argument here. But if this were going to start the season, just think about it. What would you expect? You guys remember that team? Laughing, high-fiving, having all that enjoyment at not just the players and the coaches and the organization's expense, but you, the fan, you had to sit through that crap. Just running right down the field, start of the game, zero resistance defensively. You know, we tend to always remember everything that went negative last year. It always gets tagged to the quarterback, but that was an absolute embarrassing mess. Let's gauge this for what it is coming up on Sunday. If this team to a man, if they don't step up, yeah, I don't know how much they have in them. That's what we're going to question. It's easy to question the coach. And there's no doubt this group was disappointed after a tie. Now, two or three guys on my Twitter handle that say, hey, you know, a tie is great, tie, great, whatever. You don't know how a tie is going to look until the end of the season. That said, yeah, don't destroy the expectation here because the disappointment is going to be if these guys don't come out as absolutely razor-focused as you've ever seen them. That's when we'll start saying, all right, so how much – how much does, as far as you know, respect and love and enjoyment and responsibility for their head coach, how much do they actually carry if you go down there and screw that thing up? They can't. They might. We've seen it before. But that group cannot go down there and play anywhere near three-quarters of what we saw on Sunday. That is going to have to be coming out just like you did in the fourth quarter. Seriously, it's if, if it's anywhere in the neighborhood of what we saw on Sunday for most of it, or going all the way back to January, then we're going to be questioning more, and I mean a lot more than just the head coach. Because these main guys are still here. These main guys that went through that. We talked to Naheem Hines about it, how long that hung with him. Michael Pittman Jr., how long that hung with him. It should take you about five minutes to explain that to Yannick Ngakwe, too, and then also say, oh, by the way, yeah, you were pretty much dominated by Laramie Tunsil last weekend. So, yeah, 
Now you got people questioning you. And I'm the guy that was carrying the flag. What do they say? Water? Was I carrying water? I don't know. I've never carried water. We used to drink water from a hose. Now everybody would think that's gross. I'm not drinking water from that hose. Where's my bottled water? I'm wanting to talk right here if you're watching on YouTube Live because you guys know this inside the lounge. I carry one of these wherever I go. But listen, my roots are drinking from a hose, everybody. I don't know if I've been carrying water for it, but I did have a lofty level of expectations that clearly was not met by most of this defense this past Sunday. And especially disappointed in what I felt the consistent presence was going to be off the edge of Ngakwe. I don't think any of this other junk has anything to do with it. But if this does get prolonged, then all that's going to do, it's going to open up the conversation of, well, you wonder why this dude is on his fifth team right now while having a high level at an elite premium position in the NFL of production. Why does he find himself on the fifth here? You know, to back up what he has talked about, and especially here, and you also have to keep in mind for him personally, this is a contract year. Those dudes are premium. You can make yourself a lot of money or you might be able to lose yourself a little bit of money. That's just so many things. That's just like one I'm pointing out. And that's from a new guy. Yeah, just consider all the guy. I mean, it was after that, didn't Shaquille Leonard say he kind of fell out of love with football? So many things, and it was good for them because they could just like poof and go away. And I'm assuming stay off of social media for a while, but we had to live with it and talk about it and knew that that was going to be a stain and a stain that you were not going to be able to rub out for most of the offseason. Now, everybody is going to concentrate on the head coach. Everybody is going to concentrate on the new kicker. But you concentrate especially on those dudes that were there a year ago. The dudes that had to own one of the more embarrassing regular season losses in Colts history. And believe me, long before some of you were born, there were some embarrassing ones there. Just nobody cared. Nobody gave a crap. Didn't matter. Duke Tomato would write out a song the next day, go on Bob and Tom, play it. Um, dudes would abstain from having sex, which I guess is the same thing if you abstain. Anyway, nobody would have sex until the Colts would win. You know, all that stuff that was funny back then that is incredibly embarrassing and rightly so today. One of the most embarrassing performances ever by the Indianapolis Colts. And I'm telling you, start to finish. Hey, that's just what we're all about. Sometimes we do get off on certain subjects that that are easily the focus but maybe shouldn't be. Yeah, look at this team, especially the dudes that were here to a man a year ago. Yeah, that's a standard you're going to have to hold to coming up on Sunday because I, I don't know what to say if you go out there and you crap out some quarters of football as we saw in week number one. All right, 239-1070. Email the address today. You can find me if you want to get me here, JMV, at radio-one.com. Again, not the number one, but you spell out one. 
jmv at radio-one.com is where you can find me today. I'd love to have you, especially inside the lounge. Once I get this thing worked out here on the old computer during the break, I'll fire up and get inside the lounge with you guys as well. Many ways that you can also listen, whether it's HD radio, and I love that. The stream, the app, you got us on Facebook Live. I think we're also located on Twitter. You can easily find us there. I'm assuming that this was not a motivational talk. What do they say now, real talk? You just at some point, I think, over the past couple of days, you go from reaction and easy reaction to, all right, what is really going to matter coming up on Sunday? Listen, if the head coach screws it up again and goes wildcat, at fourth and two, then, I mean, he's already there. But some of these guys are going to make their way there as well. I think we tend to forget that. We do. We, we classify easy marks. The kicker yesterday was an easy mark. And he put himself in that situation. The head coach has put himself in that situation now as an easy mark. Yeah, general manager is going to be well on his way, but yeah, these guys, no, these guys, they went through that last year, and if there's anything else but a high level, focused in level of football coming up on Sunday, Monday is going to be a heller. Who are you going to be able to trust? And especially those of you that say the early season, these guys are going to bounce back or everything's going to be all right. It'd be tough to explain everything's going to be all right if they go out there and crap that thing up on Sunday. I don't expect it. Actually, I hope you don't see it because if you see it, that's going to tell you a lot about what you got That's a lot about what you got that if that's the product they give you, you don't want. So we'll hit that with you coming up on the other side. 239-1070. I mentioned Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, coming up at the top of the hour. Zach Kiefer is going to be in here in the 5 o'clock hour from the Athletic. Yeah, I saw the picture of Blankenship. Uh, He was up at Grand Park, I think, on the football field up there practicing today. And listen, I don't go... You know, the joking Lego stuff. I mean, getting cut, being let go like that stinks. Had to happen the way that it is. But you would expect a guy that has pride, and obviously he has played at a high level. He has crafted his place kicking, you know, even with being let go, even with, you know, the two kicks and then the missed field goal game-winning opportunity. Uh, He has played his way into this situation, so it would be surprising if the dude wasn't up there practicing. Mike DiRocco is going to be back. Jacksonville, that was kind of an odd game in Washington. Commanders come out on top. Uh, We'll talk to Mike DiRocco about Jacksonville and Doug Peterson in week number two. Uh, Duraco is going to be here coming up at 5.30. Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. Is that, oh, well, tonight, late December, back in 63? That thing came back around in the 90s as a hit, too. 
I did Greece yesterday. Greece is the easy one. He's going to come up, I believe, on September the 22nd at the Mira Old National Center. I've got tickets for you a little bit later on. Again, tomorrow's show, yeah, we're going to be up in Fishers, Joe's Grill in Fishers, our Larceny Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots. Then coming up on Friday, Bud Light Blue Friday is at Nora off of Westfield Boulevard. We're going to be right there at Taylor's Pub 2 with Chiefs Colts tickets for you. That is uh, coming up on Friday. College football conversation also on the way. Fisher's doing a big deal. A retail facility along with an ice hockey arena. 8,500 is what they're building. Are they going to build it with like Ikea stuff? It's going to be right there a little bit south of Ikea. Is anybody else like me? If your wife or your family ever says, hey, let's go to Ikea, do you groan? Is this just like a dude trait? Oh, God. And you kind of feel like a mouse in there, don't you? Go, hey, you got to go this way. Like a hamster. It's better than a lot of other places. At least they have a food court. That's where you chill. You hang out in the food court. They got good food. And eat, what do you eat, the Swedish meatballs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they have to have those arrows to tell you where to go. You ever get off track? It's like a maze. No, seriously, it, it's concern. When you get off track, you go, hey, wait a minute. Where the hell am I? I can no longer follow this lit up arrow. Am I going in the right direction? Where's my cheese? It's kind of like Disney World for like a kid, though. We need a little like sawdust or some kind of wood shavings in there so I could just stop in the middle of the floor and take one like a hamster or a mouse would. <laughs> I think I might be getting to that point anyway. Uh, anyway, a brand new facility coming up. What year they say that that was going to be done? Did you see? 2024? 24? They're going to turn it around? 24 or 25, I thought. They're going to turn that thing around pretty quick? Is there not an old farmhouse? You're up in that direction. Not anymore. You used to be, right? Close enough, Isn't yeah. there an old farmhouse yeah, that's right there, too? Are they going to take out that old farmhouse? I've never known what that... I figured maybe that was like the first house in Fishers or something. They've mm. kind of always kept it there. Well, hey, at least those of you in and around Fishers who already deal with traffic, you don't have to worry about that any longer, right? Traffic's going to be okay? <laughs> But no, the Indy Fuel will be playing in the future in that new 8,500-seat facility. And I'm assuming lots of other things up there, too. Get the Avid Brothers up in there and Fishers about 19 times a year, indoor and outdoor now. So we'll hit that coming up a little bit later on as well. Matt Taylor, Zach Kiefer, Mike DiRocco, all on this Wednesday show, but I need you at 239-1070. Other side, some of your thoughts on what I had to say, uh, your thoughts moving forward to the Jacksonville game, week number two of the NFL, and uh, a lot more. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live, you can watch, listen, and participate. It is a good time, and I'm active in there with you as well. Log on the Ride with JMV. That's YouTube Live inside the Lounge. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. You just got your asses whipped by a bunch of damn nerds. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, inside the lounge via YouTube Live is where I find myself with everybody. Thank you very much for being a part of it. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, top of the hour. Want to jump on board, you can at 239-1070. We'll take you. Uh, Josh says, the house that you're talking about is an historic house, cannot be torn down, but will cost thousands to move. That according to Josh. Corey Kenny says, the farmhouse is coming to my backyard. 
Um, somebody named DeLorean says, Ikea has the best shopping carts ever. 360s all day. Whenever my wife says, hey, let's go to Ikea, I cannot groan quickly enough. Oh, no. Please. Hoosier Haller reminds us all of this. The NFL Week 2 unbeaten teams include the Vikings, the Giants, Eagles, Dolphins, Seahawks, Chargers, Bears, Saints, Steelers, Browns, Buccaneers, Chiefs, Ravens, Bills, Texans, and the Colts. Making everybody feel good. Josh Whitson signs in with this. Seems the problem the Colts players have is motivation. You can't constantly just pat your players on the back and need to do exactly what you're saying and give them some bulletin board material. If the team doesn't come out mad Sunday, we have a motivational problem. There is no doubt, and that's why I mentioned a little bit earlier, Josh, that will be absolutely reflective on the head coach. But while that will be true, I will also look at the players and wonder, what do you guys have then? You know, what's necessary here? Or you'll look at them and you go, yeah, you know, you're not it. You're not what we thought. You can take yourself, I think, an accurate gauge of how those guys come out and play. It's from Adam. Remember all the fans dressed as clowns? Here's what I remember about that Jacksonville game, and I do, uh, because of the clown show that was going on in Jacksonville. But that team clowned the Colts. They clowned. They danced and laughed and giggled and high-fived. Hey, they're having fun. They didn't win very much last year. I'd understand why you'd want to, but I would think playing at that level, you would never want to have that going down at your worst moment at your expense. And not only was that the worst moment, the worst moment for that group, but that was one of the worst moments in the history of some really bad moments around here. Pre-Manning era. Yeah, most of you just kind of think about the Manning era and go, well, I don't remember anything bad like that. Here and there, there's some bad stuff. Vanderjet and Nick Harper got stabbed with a fork and Roethlisberger, the one-armed tackle, and Billy Volick. And you guys think about all that stuff. And not much recollection of what went on before the Manning era when there was a lot of that stuff going down. And unfortunately, that was the expectation then. Ron writes this. Could it be that the Colts were looking ahead to the rematch with Jacksonville? No, no, no. I don't want to buy that at all. They just went down to Houston, and outside of a couple of drives in that first quarter, they were terrible. And as that game went along up until the fourth quarter, they got worse. They got worse coming out of the half. That third quarter was dreadful. So what I'm saying is take that out of the consideration for a moment. We're going to be able to gauge not just the head coach because I think everybody's kind of made a decision until this point, uh, until he and this team's able to change your mind, if they can. I'm assuming they could if they won at a high clip. Yeah, but right now you're determined and your mind is made up, and I completely understand why. When you're told and you hear and there's a failure to meet expectations – 
that's exactly how you're going to feel. So right now, it's on the coach, or coach's shoulders. But, again, it's going to be there even after the game on Sunday. But to me, I'm going to look at these players. I'm going to look at these players who got clowned upon a year ago and how these guys come out. You know, Some of those guys on the other side in Jacksonville, they're gone. But how in the world, if you're still on this Colts team, would you not remember all that laughing and giggling and joking around at your getting bounced out of the playoffs at your expense? That has to carry a little bit. I can't imagine a guy, for example, like Michael Pittman Jr. doesn't like have that on tape, like watching that, going, man. Because that's a dude that strives and it plays at such a high level and it's going to get higher because of motivation. I mean, these guys all talked in the offseason about how that loss left a dent, that loss left a mark, be a lot to make up for. I think we have a promo that's running. Like, to me, uh, what, what's the quote? Um, Revenge is a meal, best served cold. I don't know where that one was from, but I get mine. I take my cue from John Creasy in Man on Fire <laughs> because that's his quote in Man on Fire. But there is a lot of truth to that. There should be a lot of truth. And if there's not a lot of truth and you don't actually witness that on the field on Sunday, uh, to me, this is going to be not just a reflection directly at the head coach, but a reflection of these guys. By the way, they were absolutely owned by Jacksonville in that final week. And now they were embarrassed and bounced out of the postseason. Caused their owner to give that that video, not a presser, but a did that video in front of the jet engine? <laughs> Man. I'm telling you, that seems like that would be motivation enough to me, and I think it's fair. It is accurate. Completely understanding why we would gauge that in that fashion on Sunday. Yeah, I don't think there's any overlooking at all there. Man, just the way that they came out, unfortunately. Uh, Brian says, I now think Jacksonville is better would definitely trade rosters and coach. Yeah, you may trade the coach, but I don't know if you'd trade rosters. You may look if you think that, for example. Let's let's think about that one for a moment. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence for the future over a 37-year-old quarterback. I'm just saying for the future, you might go for that right now. I will say this, Jacksonville's got some pieces. They got some pieces. They do have some pieces. But they certainly don't have enough to withstand what should be a fury from this Colts team. It just with how that game went down in front of them to them back in January. And to me, I think that's easy. I think that's easy to see. And we're going to make a pretty good gauge out of that afterwards. Uh, Joshua says this, if they lose down there, then the whole thing can really go off the rails because it will be yet another season of Frank of the team digging out of a huge hole. And see, that's where things can can get a bit misleading. Because you get all excited when they dig out of the hole. You know, Why did you dig the hole in the first place? You know, against two teams 
like Houston and Jacksonville, and then you're set to get Kansas City. No, seriously, Joshua, I agree with you. I mean, it could go off the rails. I mean, there's another piece of motivation if you need it. I'm just talking about this, these guys, these guys on this team from a year ago. You know, just remembering how they were owned and clowned by that Jacksonville group. I don't know how you go down there and let any crap happen. Seriously. Quick break and we shall return. Your calls at 239-1070 on the other side inside the lounge via YouTube Live where I do see everybody lurking right now. Thank you very much, as always, for being a part of that. Top of the hour, Matt Taylor's going to join us. Zach Kiefer in the five. DeRocco is back from ESPN.com. He covers the Jacksonville Jaguars and the AFC South. Mike DeRocco is going to be here in the 5 o'clock hour. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Let me have a Diablo sandwich of Dr. Pepper. Make it fast. I'm going to damn hurry. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Gritty inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Bad boy. This song is about a dude that cheated on his woman and then wanted to go back. <laughs> Let me rip. You know that he uh, did Ghostbusters, right? Ray Parker Jr.? Yep. He had to pay a lot of money, too, because Huey Lewis and the News sued him because the Ghostbusters sound was so much like I Want a New Drug by Huey Lewis and the News. How much do you have to pay? Can you look that That'd up? I'm not sure. I think it was heavy lawsuit. duty. I don't know if he made any money. It might have been like a remember the uh, the Verve that did Bittersweet Symphony in the late '90s and the Rolling Stones. Like they needed the money, uh, sued the hell out of them as well. Now, I don't think they made a cent out of it. <laughs> what does it say? Whip me, whoop me, let me come back home. Those are great lines right there. Zach Kiefer, Mike DiRocco coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Grifty, Larry Brown, and others, wait a minute here. That You guys didn't get motivated by that end-of-the-hour speech I just gave? Come on now. Got to get motivated out of that. If I can't motivate you with that, I don't know if I can motivate you. Is Matt gone? He's calling back here. Oh, he's calling back. Oh, he was there for a minute. Now he's gone. Yeah, so true. Thursday night football should be enjoyable. No Butker and no Keenan Allen on Thursday night football tomorrow night. I, I got to figure out how to watch it, though. Can you guys explain to me how I can watch oh, it? Oh, there is no chance you're going to figure out how to Son fire up I Amazon God. Prime. So it's not There's going no to way. be on anything nope. other than Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime. That's it. All right. Help me out here, everybody. Give me... The quickest and the easiest path to watch this son of a gun tomorrow night. Because as you well know, I won't give it very much time. My patients are few when it comes to stuff like this. And I'll just go ahead and watch Family Ties or Andy Griffith if you give me a notion here. So give me a quick path. Give me a shortcut. Treat me like I needed to go to the bathroom in Ikea. And give me a lit-up arrow to show me the way. Just Amazon? When the Colts play Thursday night, it'll be on locally here on television. But if you're out of market, yeah, Amazon only. And it's every Amazon game's Thursday night, right? Yep. 
Son of a gun. Well, I'm going to end up having to pay for it, right? Because right now you get a free trial, I would guess. Do you do, get a free trial? Do you trial? not have Amazon Prime already? I don't think so. I've got Hulu. I've got, I'm sure I've got you Pluto. have Amazon. You have kids. I'm sure you have Amazon Prime. <laughs> I don't. Hey, Laney, go check. Do we have Amazon? Sorry, Laney. I'm going to have to lay in your bed here tonight because I'm watching football. <laughs> Amazon? Well, that's not like CBS or NBC. Back to you guys in a second. Andy Moore, Automotive View Hotline, the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. Happy belated birthday to you. Did you celebrate? Uh, I celebrated like a like a boring 37-year-old would celebrate the night before a game. <laughs> watched watched football and went out and got barbecue. So it was pretty good. So actually. you and uh, yeah, you and Nick Cross share the same birth date, huh? That's right. Yeah, yeah six, 16 years apart. He's uh, he's way more impressive than I am because on my 21st birthday, I was not doing what he was doing the night before his first professional game, I can tell you that. What would you do on your 21st birthday? Well, we played – I think we played Wabash that day, and they were they were really good, and we actually ended up beating them. And it was a home game for us, and I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's, don't, that's even better. I don't remember. It was like a big, it was a campus-wide celebration that also had to happen to coincide on my birthday, and I I don't really remember much other than the fact that we won and we played good, and it was a huge thing for the program, but not not much of the night is in the memory bank. <laughs> well, here's what's weird. I, I did my first on my 21st birthday at Hooligans in Bloomington on Kirkwood, and the guy that was uh, at the door said, Wait a minute! It's your twenty-first birthday. You've been coming in here for two years. What gives? <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know. <laughs> Wait a minute! Yeah. Wait a minute! Every every college town has a bar like that where it's like, wait, something's it, it, up it got it got closed down unfortunately because it was like that. But it was a it was a hellaciously awesome place to be. I think now I think I uh, ended up. I think I did a little bit of barf job inside that Noble Romans that used to be right there on Kirkwood, too. I think I befouled Noble Romans a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I had a barf job, but, yeah. <laughs> There's every, every, every college town has a bar like that, or at least they used to. <laughs> Times were simpler back then, John. Oh, those were the days. Oh, they were, no doubt about that. It's Matt Taylor with us. I'm going to jump to this because I'm sure we've recapped. Now it's Wednesday. You move on. I am curious. I said this at the outset. I will be so disappointed if this group, most of which was in Jacksonville last January and was a part of the way that that embarrassing game went down and then watched a lot of those Jacksonville players that are still there laugh and giggle and clown their way through a meaningless game for them, but a game in which embarrassed this organization and bounced them out of the postseason. If they don't go down there full throttle and whip some ass, I am going to be highly disappointed, honestly, just for that alone. Well, I don't think you have to worry about that. And Frank Reich today talked about, you know, listen, we all know what week it is. We all know what time it is. It's, it's, we all know who the opponent is and where we're going. So in terms of motivation and, you know, where you need to draw, you know, your fire up energy from, like, you don't have to worry about that this week because it was week 18. Colts were a 15 point favorite. They lost 26 to 11 in a game that 
we all remember wasn't even that close. I mean, the Colts scored late to make it more respectable, but Jacksonville got off to a great start in that game, and the Colts just were never able to overcome them, and they, quite frankly, were not able to overcome themselves. A lot of self-infliction in that game, just like there was in the first three quarters of the game on Sunday. So I think, you know, yesterday or Sunday's game plus the fact that it's an AFC South game, it's Jacksonville and what that represents. And as you said and chronicled well, you know, how that game, you know, ended and what the other sideline was, was doing. I mean, there were, there were hard knocks, you know, jokes and, yep. you know, references and, yep. you know, pointing the finger and, you know, just making fun of the Colts, quite frankly, in social media after that game. And all of those guys have had nine months to put that in the, you know, in the, on the shelf and to, uh, you know, put up some posters, if you will, metaphorically speaking, inside the locker room for some bulletin board material. So you're going to see a, a fired-up Colts team, especially, I think, even more coming off a 20-20 to 20 tie where just execution in the first three quarters for the Colts was not up to, up to par. And if the Colts, quite frankly, play the way they did in, in the last 10 minutes and 47 seconds of that fourth quarter, you know, they're the better team. They're going to win this football game, but you got to put it all together. And the NFL is such a, it's such a league and it's such a game of just how do you play that day? You know, what kind of execution do you get that day? And I said it last week on a couple of different shows. Um, you know, the only way I thought the Colts would lose that game, or in this case, not win it, was if they just beat themselves. And for the majority of the game, that's what happened. A lot of self-infliction, a lot of errors, and a lot of plays that guys normally make that didn't. So that has to be rectified coming up on Sunday, week two. So Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I, I was. That's the thing that I focused on on Monday was me. And I know we've been down this path, especially early in the season and week number one in the past. But the way they started, other than those first couple of drives, but especially the second and the third quarters, the way they slogged through that, it just had you going, what, what, what the hell is going on? And then – what do you think was just maybe pride? Maybe it was Houston, you know, running out of gas a little bit, whatever. What was with the, the motivation and getting back into it and certainly putting themselves in a position to win that game on Sunday? What did that well, come down to in the fourth? I mean, uh, you know, I, I just think that, you know, I've never been in the NFL, but I've, I've been a player. And I just think, I mean, you sort of saw that. I'm not saying it's the same level at all, but you sort of saw that in the, the Indiana-Iowa game on Saturday night. I mean, they just missing field goals and guys are dropping passes. The quarterback's missing guys wide open. He's throwing balls over the guy's head that are getting picked off. It just boils down. You're just not playing well. Just execute. Just do the small things. Just do your job. I mean, you know, EJ Speed, I talked to him in the locker room today. He's like, yeah, I made a bonehead play where I'm running into a punter in the end zone when we get a, a, you know, a third down stop and force a punt and we're poised to get great field position. And then I make a knucklehead play where I run into the punter, give them an automatic first down, and they chew up you know, 45 more yards of, of, of offense and, and ha- have the ball for three and a half more minutes or whatever the case was. So it's, it's just stuff like that where you say you got to get your head above water and, and stop killing yourself. And I just think, not to oversimplify it, but that, that's what happened to the Colts is just don't beat yourself. 
make the, the small plays that are out there, play like you know you can, and quite frankly, play the way this team played and how they looked in, in, in the month of August in, in training camp in the preseason because by all accounts, they looked really good. They looked nothing like they did in the second quarter and the third quarter in week one. So I, I just think the Colts were their own problem, to be quite honest with you, more so than what the Houston Texans were doing. I'm not trying to take anything away from them because they are a better team, but I just think had the Colts played – uh, you know, a consistent game, you know, the way they played in that fourth quarter, that game probably would not have been close. It's Matt Taylor who joins us too. It was, uh, it was mind numbing. It was, I can imagine you and Rick being in the booth and wondering what the hell's going on here. You know, after all that, this is what we're going to try to do, you know, to focus in on starting out better and changing up training camp uh, the way that they did. Right, and right. you still come out with the uh, history of, of basically, remnants of what we have seen in the past i mean really it wasn't surprising the way they came out and that was what was so disappointing well i mean you just had uncharacteristic things i mean i know alec pierce was playing in his first game in the nfl right i mean you can you can imagine if you see a perfectly spiraling pass for matt ryan sort of backyard football the play's broken down and this beautiful pass is coming to you in the end zone and you know you're in the end zone and you're thinking to yourself how sweet is this going to be my first catch in the NFL is going to go for a touchdown he just didn't make the play right and we didn't we didn't see that all of training camp you right you didn't see you know the the two most uh, you know seasoned veterans on this roster and Ryan Kelly and Matt Ryan not be able to perform a center to quarterback exchange a couple of times have some problems in the shotgun you know you go for it on fourth and goal at the two and you get stonewalled there and you make a bad decision on a screen pass that that gets picked off by a defensive end like these are just some things that you know, you just don't come to expect from Matt Ryan 14 years and Ryan Kelly in year number seven at center, and you know, in a, a reliable receiver and Alec Pierce in training camp. So I just think you just clean up all those little things. They're all correctable. And I guess if you have to pick like your, your week one troubles, you'd rather have, you know, mental mistakes or uncharacteristic mistakes that can be cleaned up easily with more focus and more intensity rather than like, you know, your offensive line just can't hold up. It's, you just can't protect anybody or you can't tackle well. You know, some, some fundamental issues that are not, not as easily correctable or not easily as fixable than just, you know, focusing, uh, you know, more closely on what you're doing and just having a higher intensity about you going into this game in week two. Matt Taylor's with us. So, Alec Pierce, we saw him get walloped, and I mean illegally walloped, helmet to helmet on Sunday. And you kind of wondered at the time what that may lead to. I guess you kind of came away with that game feeling uh, everything was as okay as, I guess, visually what you see. But given the fact he enters the the protocol now, the concussion protocol, what do you think his chances are of playing coming up on Sunday? I know that's hard to, to gauge, but right. what, what's your thoughts on whether or not he's going to be able to give it a go? Well, you're right. He took a nice little shot. In fact, Lara on the sidelines on, on Sunday, she reported that his face mask and, and helmet got dented. You know, his face mask got, you know, out of place. They had to replace that. And That's so, some North Dallas 40 stuff going on no, right there, man. <laughs> Holy crap. No question yeah. about it, right? Hardcore 70 stuff. Yeah. So he had to be evaluated. And, yeah, really no surprise because he, he took a shot. And it was it was a penalty, and there was a no 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 doubter penalty from Jalen Petrie, um, you know, at the safety position for Houston. Um, so really, no surprise that that he might be feeling you know some lingering effects of that. Did not practice today, as you said, in the concussion protocol. So really, I, it just boils down to timing, and we all know you got to clear steps and. 
there's a handful of hurdles you have to jump over. You got to, you know, pass, uh, you know, an independent neurologist and you have to have so many days cleared. There's, it just boils down to, you know, when he entered the protocol and how he's feeling leading into Sunday. So as of right now, it's, it's really kind of a 50-50 proposition, which then would affect the rest of the depth chart because Desmond Patman was inactive on Sunday. So obviously if Pierce can't go, you would think that Patman would be up and, and, and playing um, after missing week one due to it being inactive. But, you know, I, I thought, you know, like if, if, it's, if, it's Alec, if Alec Pierce is having game one jitters, you know, then you roll with Mike Strawn. And I thought Strawn played well, had a couple of big catches, a couple of big first downs, some 20-yard catches over the middle. I thought he played really well and is a guy that, in short order, built up a lot of chemistry and rapport with Matt Ryan despite missing the first 10 practices of training camp. So I liked what I saw from the Colts, you know, supplemental staff uh, at wide receiver outside of Michael Pittman Jr., especially in the fourth quarter when the ball was being spread around so much and the Colts were going up tempo. I think 10 different guys caught a pass from Matt Ryan on Sunday. So you like to see that, and you like to see the confidence going forward considering – you know, Pittman's going to be your guy. He's going to catch 78 balls every game. Um, then it's going to be Naeem Hines somewhere, you know, between four and six catches. But then everybody else, you never know who that's, you know, is going to step up and have a big game that day. And I think everybody's pretty capable. So we'll see what happens. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, sponsored by Shelby Materials here on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. What did you make of Matt Ryan's play in game number one at the age of 37? Yeah, I mean, like I said, outside just of a handful of mistakes that are uncharacteristic to him, I thought he was really sharp. He had good mobility in the pocket. He made good decisions. The accuracy was there. Like I said, he got a lot of people involved. Um, you know, that, that would-be touchdown uh, throw that Alec Pierce dropped was just a thing of beauty. Um, so I thought he looked really good. I thought he looked really sharp, and there's a lot of things to build off of. So he was disappointed after the game knowing that, you know, he could have done more. Obviously, you can't put it all on the quarterback, but when you play that position, you know, you're going to get more of the – you know, the praise, you're going to take more of the blame. I think it's it goes both ways as far as that's concerned. Um, but I, I really liked what I saw from Matt Ryan, and he, he knows he's got a pretty good defense coming up on Sunday. These guys, I think, on that side of the ball are, are pretty underrated. And like I said, the, the, the secondary is deceptively good with – Shaquille Griffin and Tyson Campbell. They brought in Darius Williams in free agency. Rayshon Jenkins is back. So I really think the Colts have, you know, their hands full coming up on Sunday. And everybody got a mulligan in the AFC South, right? No, Nobody got a win. Jacksonville still thinks they can make the playoffs, whether they're right or wrong. Um, you know, they, they think they've got a new era, new era of hope here with Doug Peterson. Uh, a lot of moves in free agency in the draft. So we'll see what happens coming up in week two, man. What, what do you make of the, the Jacksonville moves? I like Doug Peterson coming in. I do. I think he's going to be really good for that team in the longer haul. And I, I thought Christian Kirk put up some numbers. He mm-hmm. was that high-dollar free agent wide receiver from Arizona that signed there as well. They spent a lot of money. So they had some talent already, and they added some more talent and a healthy ETN as well in the backfield who didn't do very much in week number one. But that expectation is there, Matt. Yeah, they, I, they're they're – you can't sleep on these guys. I mean, Marvin Jones had 
a monster game against the Colts last year in Week 18. You know, especially in the red zone, they signed Evan Ingram. Trevor Lawrence had his best game against the Colts last year. I think he had a 111 passer rating in Week 18. James Robinson is back. Um, you know, undrafted guy out of Illinois State. The Colts didn't see him in that last game, but they saw him in whatever that was, Week 10, Week 11 last year. And you brought up Etn. Um, he's sort of like their version of Naeem Hines as a rusher and a receiver. Christian Kirk went over 100 yards last week. Zay Jones, I think, is one of the more underrated receivers. And, oh, by the way, had his best game of his career against the Colts last year playing with the Raiders in Week 17. So, no, you, you cannot sleep on these guys. They've, they've got deceptive talent on that side of the ball. Their offensive line has improved. Um, they drafted Fortner at center. I paid a boatload of money uh, to the right guard, Brandon Scherf, who comes over from the from the Washington football team, now the Commanders. So this is, a, I, I think, a, a, a better team than last year. And, and last year they had nothing to play for in Week 18 and won 26-11. to 11, And now they have less chaos going on around them at the head coaching position. And Doug Peterson, who's a really good offensive mind, uh, Mike Caldwell is their defensive coordinator. He's a really good defensive mind. So this is a team that I don't know if they're going to contend for the playoffs this year, but they're not far behind given their trajectory. And now they're on solid footing in, in terms of the front office and who's running the ship there. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was a clown show last year. No doubt about that. I mean, yeah, hell, they end up winning against the Colts in that final week with an interim head coach at the helm too. So that's just, that, there was just so much. I, the, the motivation will not be hard at all to find. And also I will say this, I, you you don't really want to think about going zero one and one with the prospect of hosting the Chiefs in your home opener in week three, right? No, I mean that's that is that's that's leading you and especially your head coach no. down a bad path. No, and I don't. I listen. I'm never going to sit here and guarantee a win, but I, I will tell you that this team is going to come out. There's going to be some head knocking. There's going to be some pads thumping. Uh, there's going to be some angry Colts players. It just boils down to execution, right? It just you got to make plays. But in terms of coming out flat, um, I, I'd bet a lot of money on just the intensity being very, very high, uh, especially to start this football game. And also, too, with that being said, I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts won the toss and, and took the ball. You know, kind of set the tone psychologically on what kind of day it's going to be and, and get off to a fast start, which they just haven't been able to do, you know, to start uh, first quarters against teams like Houston and Jacksonville. Um, so, again, I'm not guaranteeing anything. I'm just betting that the Colts are going to come out highly motivated and they're going to be a physical team and an attacking team on both sides of the ball I, to start I, the game. I expected so much more from – in Gakwe, and granted, it's it's one game, but it seemed like maybe you should have considered, I me at least should have considered Tunsil, you know, being as good as he is. I mean, he's the highest of the high dollars right. on that team, certainly, and it, it seemed like that he had a pretty good grasp on what was going on in trying to contain Ngakwe on Sunday. That was disappointing to me. He had a tackle for loss in that game, but you're right, that was a good matchup with um, you know, the left tackle versus the guy, you know, lining up wide nine in that Leo technique with Unique Ngakwe. And that sort of stalemated that matchup, and it also allowed them to put more emphasis on, 
you know, being able to have good protection on DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart. Then towards the end of the game, Quiddy Pace started to win his matchups. But, yeah, def- defensive line-wise, I'm looking for bigger things starting in, in week number two. Um, and I just don't think they have that ability. You know, Cam Robinson's a good player, but he's not a Laramie Tunsil. So it's a huge game for Unique Ngakwe because it's his first game against the Jaguars at Jacksonville, right? He, he, 2016 to 2019, played in 28 games at Jacksonville as a as a home player, if you will, as a Jaguar. But first chance to go back there. You know the fan base is going to be booing him if he makes a play. He's going to be feeding off of that, considering you know what his exodus looked like out of Jacksonville with that front office. Um, so yeah, I'm looking for for more consistency and more of an impact across the board from that defensive line. So Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, he's brought to you by Shelby Materials with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Do you get Amazon Prime at your house? I do. How do you not? I mean, everybody has Amazon Prime. It's it's so convenient. I mean, if you need what? a I mean, if you need a, if Who you, need you a, think you're talking to here, come on, Amazon you, Prime. Click, click, click of the button. I mean, all you, have, you got a, you got a phone. Just download Amazon Prime. I'm sure your wife has a login. Get it from her, and you're up and running. Piece of cake. Watch the game on my phone. You can, well, you, you, that's the easiest way to do it. Or you can get like a oh. a streaming stick, as they say, and put that in the back of your TV. I get this big TV and watch it on my phone. I, I'm not a phone watcher guy. Are you a phone watcher guy? No, I'm not. I yeah. mean. The only time I I, I I have to go that route is like on a plane or something. But I mean, do you have a do you have a smart TV? Uh, yeah, we got a couple. Yeah, They're a lot smarter than me. There's just no have, question. Just give Blake the remote and say, Blake, <laughs> on this on this smart TV, download Amazon Prime. Get the password from your mom. He'll do it for you, and he'll tell you where to find it on your TV, and you're good to go. I, I agree with you. I think it's a pain in the neck. I don't like it either. Because it's just one more thing to yeah. you have to seek out and have to make appointment viewing, but um, that's where this world's going. I mean, it's 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 not going to go back the other way. So you just have to embrace it. No, it's not going to go back the other way. No, nope. no doubt. I um yeah, uh, we got we still have we got a smart TV at home in the box right now. I need to get that out of the box. <laughs> It does not does not shock. Well, first, 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 you have to have, get get Blake some scissors. He'll get it out of the box for you. It's in the box. I just go, man. The prospect of me trying to hang this on the wall is depressing. I go, God. Yeah. When you said you were starting from square one, you're literally literally from square one. Yes, yeah. I am. Lady, I do. I, lady has a Roku stick in her room, and I find myself in there all the time. But I'm watching these episodes of like Andy Griffith and Family Ties <laughs> and old game shows on Pluto TV. That's what I watch Pluto. in there. Well, see, she she can help you too. She's smart enough. She's old enough. If she's got a Roku stick, you can just go in her room and watch the Rams play the Buccaneers or whatever it is. Amazon Prime, man. <laughs> that's that's where we're all going though you know i said way way back that it's going to be pay-per-view one of these days everything and we're well on that that path here aren't we well so. isn't isn't valley sports already pay-per-view or they're it's going gonna to be, be that's going to be like 20 bucks plus for those that have cut the cord see now, i still have you- direct tv so i'm still wired in well, what about those that just hack into their their dad's cable account and stream the games? What what do those yeah. people do? Well, that's what I used to do with a satellite dish. I loved that with our satellite dish until they got wise and said, "Hey, we can uh, we can start scrambling these and make people pay for it." But the early years of those big satellite dishes were the absolute best. It was like the wild west yeah. of television. That's why oh, I yeah. watched so much porn back then. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, the the change the subject on that one. Um, yeah. Hey, I had to tape it. You can tell I can take that stuff to Eastern Green and sell it on VHS. Oh God, man, you are you've always been an entrepreneur. I tell you I that. I was. We were yeah. we were thinking about those very very things. Hey, we are not. By the way, the Bottle Works Extravaganza was a good time on Sunday morning, oh, even with like the rain. It? Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't mind to do those again. I like that being on the road for those. That was a good time. Yeah, so, so what did they just have, like a big blow-up uh, yeah. projector screen? That's pretty well, cool. Well, yeah, party. I think they had to move. They had it under tents outside because, I mean, it was pouring rain here. But they brought most of the party inside, and they're well-equipped to have it. Bottle Works inside the garage is just a really good place. It's yeah, a good time. It's a, really, it's a really cool, you know, really cool vibe, as they say. Yeah, it's, it's a good spot. Yeah, they've got, uh, you know, places to eat, places to drink, and um, I've only been there a couple of times, but both times I've been there, it's it's been cool. I've enjoyed myself. So I think they're going to do that a couple more times later on this season. So we'll have to keep that in mind, put you to work on a, on a Sunday, like out, out and about with the, with the people. Yeah, I didn't even go play basketball because my foot hurts. I, normally I play at Southport High School and then roll in here and do the pregame. So I didn't even do it Sunday morning. I just decided to bypass it and come straight downtown and do that. It was a good time. So who's in charge of that over there? Uh, that would be our marketing staff. Nice. Yeah, like well Steph- done. That's a good, yeah. good thing right there. It was. Stephanie Pemberton and Colin and Joe and all. They do a – I mean, I, 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 I sing their praises all the time with, with training camp, and then they were put to the test with the Jim Ursay collection on Friday with all that they had to do with that and, and help assist um, – you know, the band and the collection, it was just they, – they've been working overtime between all these different lead-ups uh, and, you know, events going into the season. So they deserve some time off. But they're they're unbelievable what they do considering all the balls they have to juggle. So Did you in, uh, impressive. enjoy the, the Ursay collection and the concert to follow? I, I thought it was one of the best nights. I really did. I had so much fun. I enjoyed it. Um, I, saw, I thought it was so well done with the collection and, you know, just the – I don't know what the right word is, like the, the easiness or the, the um, you know, the ability to walk around and uh, move about yeah. and, uh, you know, take in the band, take in the collection. The concessions were free. The stadium was clean. It looked sharp. The signage was great. I mean, and those things are so important when you're putting on an event for 30,000 people and it's free and they all expect to, to have a good time. I thought the band was just absolutely on fire. Buddy Guy was unbelievable. John Mellencamp was great. Uh, Kenny Wayne Shepherd played the, the heck out of his guitar. I, I thought it was one of the most enjoyable nights I've had in a long time. I really did. I thought it was first class. Matt Taylor's the voice of the Colts. He's with us, thanks to Shelby Materials on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. 10 a.m. for the start of the Colts pregame huddle Sunday morning, and then 12 noon for countdown to kickoff with Casey, Matt, Rick, and Lara from Jacksonville coming up on Sunday for week number two with the Colts and the Jaguars. My friend, hang in. Hey, by the way, the shop in Broad Ripple and Carmel just unleashed a JMV takeover T-shirt. That just happened. <laughs> Holy crap. Is this awesome? All right. Save me one. I'm in. I unleashed love it. Unleashed the JMV takeover T-shirt just That's now. That's so cool. All right, buddy. That's how you know you've made it, man. That's how you know. That is badass right there. <laughs> Matt, I appreciate you, man. All right, have a good one. Thank well, you. Uh, Matt Taylor brought to you by Shelby Materials. Yeah, the shop, I just retweeted this. Check it out. We're going to do something, I think, for charity with these. I think BK is going to show up Brian Kelly at Joe's Grill with us for our Larson Department Locks and Luna's Old Tequila Shots tomorrow up at Joe's Grill and Fishers. The JMV Takeover shirts 
are officially produced. Holy crap, these are awesome. Yeah, check out my Twitter account, and I'll put these out there. I don't know. Is there a way I can put these inside the lounge for the loungers to see this right now, too? Those things are awesome. And uh, we'll talk about how we're going to unleash those upon the uh, listening public here relatively soon. Those are awesome. You can check it out at JMV1070 on Twitter. I just tweeted that out a couple of moments ago. All right, calls on the other side of 239-1070. I mentioned the players and the players' responsibility, the players that got clowned, that got embarrassed, that had to sit through that the entire offseason getting embarrassed by a bad team on the road, bounced out of the postseason, the process, having an irate owner, a general manager and a head coach called to the carpet, a quarterback that was traded, all that. Should be motivation enough, should it not? Get back to that coming up on the other side of 239-1070. Zach Kiefer, Mike DiRocco, all still to come in the 5 o'clock hour with 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Don't read your email because I'm really butthurt when you read your email. Uh... 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Matt Taylor, podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Every week brought to you by Shelby Materials. Zach Kiefer, the athletic top of the hour. Concussion protocol for Alec Pierce, the rookie wide receiver for the Colts. DeForest Buckner did not practice today. We'll dive into that. And the kicking question coming up with Zach, coming up at the top of the hour. DeRocco is going to be here as well. DeRocco is going to show up here about 5.30 today. So we shall be ready for that. Greg writes this. It's Greg and Carmel, everybody. I love it when Greg and Carmel gets shout-outs from people when they hear me read something from him. Greg writes this, it's so Colts to cut a guy and then sign two guys who suck worse. (laughs) He's going to hear about that. At JMV1070 on Twitter, inside the lounge via YouTube Live, where it's active right now. Uh, What did I just ask? (laughs) Hey, hit the like button, too. You guys got to make me feel better. Hit the like button. We got to hit like 40-plus every single show on the like button, or I go home all sad. Nah, that was pretty funny. I asked the question, do we need JMV takeover underwear? (laughs) Like adult underoos. Uh-huh. T-Bone's at 239-1070. Hello, T-Bone. Hey, Jen. Great show. Hey, T-Bone. Uh, T-Bone. Where'd you get the nickname <laughs> T-Bone? I had it before Costanza. I had you had it since. Did you have it? Because I, I think T-Bone was in the film Colors, too, right, in 1988? Wasn't there a T-Bone yeah. in Colors, I believe? Yes. So, yeah. I think there was. But, yeah, I, I've had it before him, too. I'm 56 years old and had it ever since I was a little boy. What led, what led you to be nicknamed T-Bone, T-Bone? Because my name's Ty, I guess. My dad called me T. And then uh, my friends just added the bone, I guess. Ah, I got it. That's all right with me, man. That's an original nickname right there. See, I've I've had this common theme and thought for the past four or five years that there are no more 
good original nicknames. Uh, that is that is one of the Wall of Fame nicknames right there, without question. But I, I'm to to me a point where there are no more good original nicknames. Everybody's, uh, you know, you add you know E Y or I E to the back of it or something like that. There are no more good original nicknames. You agree? Uh yeah, I think I do. Like when everybody around here calls Bob Kravitz Cravy, I want to vomit. I think that sounds so awful. Cravy. I mean, just it's Kravitz. It's not Cravy. You know what I mean? That's just a really, yeah. it's a really unoriginal, boring. Just calling Bob Kravitz for goodness' sake. Go ahead, T Bone. That's not why you called. Um. Well, let me preface what I got to say or ask is. I approve of them getting rid of Brandon. In fact, I wish they'd have done it long before. But if he is one kid, now I know he, he's horrible on, on uh, tip-offs, but sort of the cult. That's why he didn't do it. So if he's one bad kick away from getting uh, cut from the team, why, why is he playing on our team in the first place, game one? No, you're right. I mean, you, you are okay. right. Yeah, and my thought was this. I, I People will disagree, but this was my thought. I didn't think that when they brought in Jake Verity, he was much competition. Um, I didn't think that they got an adequate enough look against somebody that could actually beat him out. So, yes, I mean, these are all things too, T-Bone, that we went over time and time again in the preseason and wondered, all right, this is a question. You know, it's much like the whole wide receiver thing. You know, just as long as it doesn't cost you, because this was the belief with Ballard in the kicker and the wide receiver position, and both of those situations cost you dearly on Sunday in Houston. No doubt about it. You know, I I think Ballard is an excellent uh, scout of talent. I love the way he drafts, but his football operations got to scratch my head. I mean, same with uh, left tackle. I mean, nobody rotates tackles. You want a line to be cohesive. And, and I know that it might have just been out of uh, need for in the Sunday, but to, to think that even back when the um, Lincoln ship got hurt, then they brought in the interim, and then they stuck with the interim, that tells me they don't trust him. And then they had a whole off season to fix it. But I don't understand the mentality of, all right, this is our guy, and then he misses a big kick in the, in the cut. If that's your guy, stand behind your guy. So I just don't understand where Ballard's coming from and why we're not prepared for that. Why is yeah. he here if, you're gonna, if he's no, going to? No, 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 you're absolutely right about that. Absolutely right, T-Bone. Anything else? You got it, buddy. That's T-Bone right there. T-Bone's right. T-Bone, no, Coco. Did you see the episode of Seinfeld, Kyle? Coco. No. T-Bone. probably. Might have forgot about it. Like a T-Bone steak. Call me T-Bone. Man, they're just no good nicknames. Am I right about that? You're looking up nicknames over there? No good nicknames anymore. What do you think about when people call Matt Taylor Maytay? That's pretty popular. Yeah. We're talking about you have a you call Jeffrey Gorman Gorman. That's a nickname. Yeah, but that's a good one. <laughs> Is that just good because you made it up? There's no doubt. That's a good one. Gorman's a good one. Anything with E Y or Y or I E on it sucks. Right? 
Who else gets nicknamed around here like that? The Kravy thing drove me crazy. I thought, God, stop saying that. That's so terrible. People call Mike Wells Wellsy. Oh, God, that's awful, too. Holy crap, is that terrible. And I'm not just being like curmudgeon-y, chafed in that area guy here. This, this is true. I'm speaking the truth. Are you just sensitive to nicknames because your whole moniker for the entire show is a nickname? No, I just think that most nicknames nowadays suck. I, the nickname's like the human highlight film. Oh, that's a nickname right there. Those are some nicknames. There's nothing good anymore. The Iceman, the original Iceman, and with all apologies to Scott Dixon, especially Emma, all apologies there. George Gervin is the Iceman. That's a nickname. Anthony Edwards, the Ant Man. I, th- oh, I like that one. Oh, I think that's pretty good. What the Ant Man? How is that any? I mean, because his name is Anthony. How is that any different that than sucks. Iceman? God, that sucks. There's nothing original anymore. Quick break and we'll come back. All right, I'm going to stop whining. I promise. I'll stop whining about this. You guys don't want me to go there. I respect that. I do. Sometimes when I take you guys there with a whine or a chafe, then you guys say, hey, just go ahead and stop. I'll stop. Zach Kiefer, top of the hour. DeRocco on the 5 o'clock hour. 93.5-107.5. The fan. I'll stop. The Ride with JMV. This will be the high point of my day. It's all downhill from here. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Mike DiRocco of ESPN.com. Bottom of the hour covers the Jaguars. You're going to get updated, educated, and prepared for that Week 2 matchup in Jacksonville between the Colts and the Jaguars here. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts a little bit earlier. Yeah, nicknames. Yeah, I had friends that had nicknames. One was called Cheese. He wasn't really a friend, but he was nicknamed Cheese. Uh, there was a dude from North Davies we called Turd, Turd Crew. Those are terrible nicknames. Yeah, he was a turd, so he was very much, that was a good nickname, Turd, Turd Crew. It was a rabbit fur. I don't know if I could tell that story. <laughs> I don't know. It depends on how hammered you get me tomorrow, all right? Then I'll tell you the story. I think it's arable. If I question whether or not it's arable right here, then more than likely it's not arable. You think? I think pretty much anything is arable, right? What, would it just embarrass them? No. Was it illegal? Like FCC violation type of stuff here. Oh, you just yeah. censor around it? Let me think about that one. That may be one you'll have to ask me about coming up tomorrow where we're going to unleash, unveil the new JMV Takeover t-shirts. Joe's Grill and Fisher's tomorrow are Larceny Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots. Week number two, Joe's Grill and Fisher's tomorrow. I cannot wait to see you. And by the way, as they said back in the 1990s, those JMV Takeover t-shirts are fly. True story. All coming up tomorrow. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Zach Kiefer, the athletic, is with us right now. So not much of a surprise, I think, that Alec Pierce, the rookie wide receiver, entered COVID or COVID protocol. Come on, dude. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I know. That's been a while. Uh, concussion protocol. Um, so what does that mean, you think, about his availability coming up on Sunday? Yeah, it's certainly up in the air. 
And remember, after he took that shot over the middle on Sunday, they had to replace his face mask. Yeah, that was very – I mentioned that to Matt Taylor. It was like – that was kind of like uh, North Dallas 40 stuff right there. Yeah. I mean, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Austin Collie running over the middle all those years ago. Yeah. Um, look, I, I never want to predict how a concussion is going to go. It's just impossible. Darius Leonard, Shaq Leonard missed a couple games a couple years ago. I think he missed three games because of a concussion. So – Everybody responds different. It didn't seem like they have ruled him out by any means in terms of their minds. It seems like there's very much a chance. But he's going to have to get back to practice in a red jersey maybe tomorrow and, and then maybe get cleared by Saturday. But, you know, you know, maybe if you had another receiver, you'd feel good about. But um, they're going to have to have Strawn step up and, and Doolin step up and, and maybe activate Desmond Patman this week. You think it um, – obviously they, they had initial regret on rolling with Blankenship. I'm just to assume this. Do you think that maybe they, they could be approaching it on? Oh, it's really early, but the regret on not going out and getting that veteran wide receiver as we all thought that they should in the offseason, do you think that maybe there could be some regret creeping in at all? Because it really worked out like we thought, Zach. I mean, Michael Pittman Jr. was a stud, and then everybody else just kind of filtered in at some point. Haven't we had this conversation for the last five months? Yeah, I know. Um, I, I actually, yeah. when you tweeted at me, I said, I do not recall ever having this conversation as a joke. <laughs> but yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well played. No, I mean, it's week one. Like, you've done this long enough to know that you don't want to overreact to week one. And, and I went back and watched the tape, and I thought Strawn did some nice things late. Doolin has to make that catch in the end zone, no doubt. Pierce does as well. We know that. Um, and I thought Paris Campbell made some big plays on third down. That being said, it felt very, very top-heavy. It felt very much like it was the Michael Pittman show. And, my goodness, he was good on Sunday. That was exactly what we saw in camp. He was just basically unstoppable, unguardable. And then there was a big gap between the other weapons. And, and you're not going to have that kind of offensive success when you play these better teams on your schedule. I thought that the Texans were pretty good up front. They got after the Colts a little bit in, in the trenches on both sides. But their secondary is nothing, is, is nothing to, to sneeze about. So, that's that's the worry is 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 frank's pretty good at getting these guys open but do they have anything behind michael Pittman in terms of guys they can count on every single week Sean was the one guy that stepped up in a way i didn't really think he was ready to do this early after after missing you know a month of camp but i tweeted this during the game and i stand by it if ty hilton is on this team in that same situation he makes both of those catches i really believe that and Matt Ryan throws for 350 and three touchdowns, and there's no talk of a tie or a loss in Houston. It's a win. That's the what-if game they're going to have to play. Publicly, they're not going to say that. They're not going to admit to the regret. And it is early, but this is something we need to monitor. And if it's the conversation we're having in December, that's a huge problem, and they're going to have nobody to blame but themselves. See, and by the way, T.Y.'s been thanks for the memories on the side of Lucas Oil Stadium, so his time is here now uh, officially is, is passed as they put that up there. I guess earlier today, here's the problem that I have is – They've had this problem before. We've talked about this problem before. They've had to address this problem in awkward times of the season before. I I, I put – I know it's early in the season, but we've been down this path so many times. You just go – I don't give them any credit. I mean, this is something that has been here. You've known you've done it. And, and Chris Ballard is so – he is just so in, in, incredibly focused in on not that position and others. 
I don't think they're ever going to get it, Zach, honestly. At least him. I don't think he's ever really going to get it, and that's unfortunate. You know what's going to be really fascinating, John, is let's watch and see how this Pittman situation plays out because this is his third year. I think he's going to be a pro bowler, 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns. He could do it all. He's a number one. We saw that. Where does his value come down? I thought this in the middle of the game, and I told whoever was sitting next to me, I said, whenever he gets paid, he's going to get paid. And the reason I bring that up is the Colts have, have done a really good job of paying their best players, right? That's what Ballard always says. They paid Quentin. They paid Darius. They paid Kenny. They paid Naheem. You know, they paid all their best guys, Braden Smith, Ryan Kelly. But the numbers for wide receivers are getting absurd. I mean, $20, $25 million a year. Are they going to pay that to Michael Pittman, a guy who absolutely is going to deserve it, at a position where they have is skimp the right word? And and to go to your point, you know, that's going to be fascinating, whether they pay him the market value for a number one receiver, because Adams and Tyreek Hill, I mean, these guys are getting crazy money, crazy money. And then to your point, I don't have any problem believing in your young guys. But you need three or four things to go right for this receiver group. And I include the tight end, which did nothing on Sunday. You need three or four things to go right for that to work. And beyond, they really have three horses on offense. they got Pittman, Taylor, and Hines to help Matt Ryan. And then it's, it's a bunch of question marks, really. So you need a lot of things to go right. And in this league, it never all goes right. And like you said, we've seen this before. And I go back to that Pittsburgh game in 2020 when they lost both of their tackles and they didn't have the receivers to help Phillip Rivers. And, and if they win that game, you know, they have a different playoff road than, than going to Buffalo. So it, it's burned them before, and we'll see if it burns them again. I don't want to overreact to week one, but certainly you would have liked to see a better debut from Alec Pierce. Yeah, Zach Kiefer, the Athletics on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. You'll have to correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I think the guys that were moved – or were paid, you know, paid in a move or paid to stay. I think with the exception of Devontae Adams, did all these guys at that position, at wide receiver that got major paid, did their teams not win in week one? Not that it matters greatly, but just yeah. I think because Tyreek Hill, they won in Miami. Um, A.J. Brown won in, in Detroit with, with Philadelphia. Uh, McLaurin won. Uh, with the Commanders in Washington. Devontae Adams did not with the Raiders against the Chargers. Uh, DK Metcalf won with the Seahawks on Monday night. I think all these guys I think all these guys won with the exception of Adams and the Raiders. Maybe I'm not this thinking about somebody to, now, but No, that's a good list. That's a good list. And this goes back to a larger point that, that I get asked about a lot. I'm sure you do as well. The Colts are built to win in nineteen ninety five. You know, they're 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 not built to throw for 400 yards a game, although Matt Ryan did have 350, and he was the second-highest passer in the league this year behind Mahomes. So that does tell you something. And it's not his fault his receivers dropped two touchdowns. However, um, that's going to be fascinating to watch it play out because all summer and all spring we heard they want to lessen the load on Jonathan Taylor because they want to be a little bit more diverse. The dude had 31 carries. And I got no problem with, his, with him getting 31 carries because he's a monster. And they, they couldn't bring him down at the end. I thought he was going to break one and get in the end zone and, and not even have to kick. And, boy, that would have changed things as well. But um, it's going to be fascinating to see if they can find a way to become a passing team because they have, one, the best running back in football, and, two, you have to be a passing team in 2022 to win games consistently in this league. And they were 29th in passing last year. We all know what happened at the end of the season. 
Um, you know, I think they're going to be good this year because of the way Matt Ryan gets the ball out and he's very, very sharp with his reads. But like you said, it just gives you a little pause with these guys behind Pittman. But hey, if Pittman gets open every time, just keep throwing him the ball. It's that simple. Zach Key for the Athletic. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I mentioned this a little bit earlier, actually, when I started the show. And all the focus is right now on the head coach and his faults and that fourth down call and how they're never going to win big with him as the coach. And again, he you know started walking down that path. But to me, it's going to take a lot for Jim Mercy ultimately to make that decision to part with him, and it'd be even tougher in the season. But I will tell you this, uh, beyond Frank Reich, you know, being obviously in the crosshairs of a lot of the fan base and media folks, certainly uh, because of their lack of winning, if these guys, if this team goes down there after being owned and clowned and embarrassed back in January and bounced out of the postseason in the fashion in which they did it's going to be a lot on them and also probably should recognize that they're going to put their coach in an incredibly bad situation if they go out there and give the folks a couple of crap quarters as they certainly did this past Sunday in the opener. If they go down there and play like they did in the second and third quarter in Houston, in Jacksonville on Sunday, you are right. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly because you think about all the years of losing down there in Jacksonville and how they haven't figured it out. You think about all the frustrations of not winning the season opener. I mean, I don't know how you feel about the tie, but it feels like a loss to me. I know it doesn't mean a loss in the win-loss column, and that matters, but it's Houston, for God's sakes. It's Houston. Like, they might win four games. And then moving ahead to the following week, you've got Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs coming in, who are probably going to score 30 or more. And, and you're going to have to match that to win that home opener. So you're right. It's, it's, it's getting time to where they need to start proving that this patient approach works. And, and we'll see. You know, maybe they come out and get, and get the job done Sunday. You know what Matt Ryan told Ryan Kelly today was, you know, we were asking a lot of the players about the Jacksonville curse, if you want to call it that. And Matt Ryan mentioned to Ryan Kelly that he's 4-0 against the Jaguars. So maybe that's what they need. They need a quarterback who's had no trouble against the Jaguars, but um, you're right, man. Like, it's, it's a very real thing, and, and there's no way I see Ursay making a move midseason. He's never done that. That's what Bob Ursay would have done, not Jim Ursay. But that's that's removing a catastrophic yeah. start. Oh, from, oh, three and equation. one. Oh, three and one might break some new ground. That, that, then we need to have a conversation. We'll see. Um, but you're right. They need to play for Frank Reich, yeah. and they need, to, they need to show that this process they keep preaching – is the right one, and if you can't beat the Jaguars, for goodness sakes, then, then then the conversation needs to be had about what this team is doing because all the changes they made in the offseason, they made these big moves with Ngakwe and Gilmore and Ryan, and in a sense, they scapegoated Carson Wentz, and they changed the time of practice in, in training camp, and they, and they played their guys in the preseason, and, and then they went down to Houston, and, and how did they play? I mean, until the fourth quarter, they played pretty crappy, so this is going to tell us a lot. Jacksonville always does, but I feel like this one's going to tell us a lot. You know, it's funny. Some people reminded me of the two drives they had in the first, but we saw what they came away with and, you know, screwed the pooch once again uh, by dropping a potential touchdown pass right there with the rookie Alec Pierce. I, I put it this way on Sunday because I really thought this way. I thought that we had the, the seven out of the last eight quarters of football we've seen this play, team play going back to Jacksonville, have been pretty awful. 
Now, maybe you can maybe factor out the first quarter a little bit because of the couple of drives, but four in Jacksonville and at least two strong in Houston. You're talking six quarters of not just bad football, some of the worst that we have seen around here. And that's another reason why, you know, on Monday I was going, I with this group, you know, I know it's all about the coach and everything, but, you know, where are these players in this, especially the guys that were there a year ago and got embarrassed and got clowned and laughed at in the hard knocks, pointed the finger, you know, and everybody's laughing at them. You know, if you're a Jacksonville Jaguar having a good time at their expense and to come out and look like that in week number one, even with the tie, to me was inexcusable. <laughs> That's funny. I use the same word. Um, I, I, here's what I'll, I'll push back a little bit. I walked out of the stadium thinking the exact same thing you did. And I tweeted during the game that this feels like every season opener feels the same. And that's a problem because they haven't won one since Andrew Luck's second year. And then I watched the tape on Monday and I came away with a different thought on the first quarter. They really did move the ball really well. They had a 66-yard drive and a 55-yard drive. They made plays that lose you football games, right? They didn't finish in the red zone. And I absolutely hated the fourth and two call, the fourth and goal call, they, they wildcapped to Hines, right? Like that, that all being relevant here, I hated that. But I also was impressed at the way they moved the ball and how I just forgot about it. They didn't finish in the red zone, which gets you beat. But they, they, it's really felt like the game turned on the Alec Pierce drop. And I don't want to over-dramatize it. That was a great throw by Matt Ryan against his body, corner of the end zone. The kid's got to make that catch. He's got to make that catch. And then it feels like the Texans got a little momentum. And for two quarters, they really were the better team. But I will say this, you know, that was the same thing as Jacksonville. Like the game turned and they couldn't turn it around. And what they do in the fourth quarter? And this is what I think is, it, you can take away from, from Houston. And I'm, I'm not trying to make this sound better than it is because the tie in Houston feels like a loss. But they really dominated in the fourth quarter. And I think that helped them see what this team can look like when they start to play. There's no excuse for it happening in the fourth quarter and not 45 minutes earlier in the game. But I walked out of the stadium thinking it was a pitiful, pitiful performance and they were lucky to get a tie. And then I watched the tape and I thought, if they do like three different things, I think they're okay. But we'll have to see because you can't fumble the football. Your 15-year veteran quarterback cannot fumble the football three times. You can't drop touchdowns. That's on Doolin and Pierce. And we've talked about this before. I think Frank Reich is an above-average play caller, absolutely but he gets too cute in the end zone sometimes, in the red zone. He just does. He overthinks it, and, and I hate that, and that le they left a lot of points on the board. Zach Key for the Athletics on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I will disagree. While there's no doubt that was a huge turning point with Pierce, I thought the turning point of the game was the right call on fourth and two in Wildcat because not only did you come away with zero points on a clownish-looking play, but that got – Everybody in that stadium that's a Texans fan and everybody on that Texans sideline fired up because they made a goal line stop. I thought that's where the turning point was on that incredibly bad call by the head coach. Well, you, you, you fast forward, you get the Pierce touchdown and it's 10 to zero. And then you, and then you're forcing David Mills, Davis right. Mills, excuse me, to make a play. And, and he's just not going to. So, um, you know, as soon as the Pierce touchdown was dropped, the Colts came away with no points. And, and then they, the Texans hit a big play on the, next, on the next possession. But I think we're both right. You know what I mean? I think both of them were, were signature moments in the game that spun it towards Houston for a little while. No, there's, uh, there's no doubt about that. But seriously, yeah, I, I, it's, it's tough to think about because there's really no maybe one 
uh, circumstance, and that's when when Robert Ursay was at the helm. But there's there's really no groundwork set. That's why I this team just can't let it get to that point. They they just can't because you start you go zero one and one, and then you have Kansas City and Tennessee. That's why I mentioned that could be some groundbreaking stuff right there if you're not careful, and you don't want that. That's Fubar. I'll tell you what, John. You know what would really do it? Would really, really, really make some make some hard questions get asked is Tennessee. Tennessee. I know that I know that the Kansas City game gets all the eyes because they're among the Super Bowl favorites, and that's the home opener. But in Jim Ursay's mind, one, he he has been very, very publicly praiseworthy of Mike Vrabel. He loves Mike Vrabel. He talks about him like he wishes he was his coach. And then secondly, that's the team that's really, really in his mind right now that's that's in their way. And the, the two losses to Tennessee last year really got to him. You remember he called in his scouts, his entire staff, and he lit into them after the Colts lost to the Titans last year. And he said, who's going to stand up and do something about this? That's the team in their way. And I don't care what the Titans' record is. I don't care that they lost to the Giants. They're always a tough game for the Colts. And if the Colts don't win that game at home, and who knows what happens against Jacksonville and Kansas City, but if those go poorly and then you compound that with the loss to the Titans at home, that's when it could get really bad. We're a long way off from that. But um, from what little I know of how the owner thinks, I know the Titans' game is bigger in his mind than it might be in some other minds. All right, DeForest Buckner did not practice today. Why? It was listed as a a hip, I want to say. Um, I talked to DeForest in the locker room, didn't get any sense that anything was amiss. Um, we'll check on him tomorrow. But they were in pads today, so they're probably just playing it safe. But Buckner hasn't missed a game as a Colt besides COVID. So I don't have a huge concern with him right now. Shaquille Leonard, what about his availability and that possibility Sunday? Yeah, there's a chance. He was on the field today, full practice today in pads, which is a step up from last week when he was limited in pads. I think they're going to see on Friday. Um, I think there's a chance. I would probably lean towards no, but if you want to make a case for it, I felt like they missed him Sunday. And I know that's an obvious statement, but I feel like emotionally they missed him in some spots. And really – he's the guy that's going to get a turnover. It really feels like he's the guy that would have changed things in the second or third quarter. Um, I know you can't think about one game when you're bringing this guy back, but um, I think there's a 50-50 chance he plays. Yeah, I, yeah, I would agree. Um, I, I was not so shocked that he didn't play, certainly, last week. Now, the other thing that a lot of people were shocked about but maybe shouldn't be is the whole rotational left tackle effect they have going on over there. Uh, is it going to be, you know, what, 85, 15 as it was in that ballpark last week, or will the rookie get even more looks over there at left tackle? Yeah. Doesn't it seem like they're just begging Bernard Ryman to take that job? There's no question. What, yeah. what, what they're saying publicly and what they're doing. I would say, I, would, I said, yeah, I said Monday by October. Cause I, I had, I had heard yeah. that they were going to work that rotationally and then everything, everybody kind of crapped themselves when they saw it on Sunday and then, you know, what happened and that's what they want to do. But I, I said that this is going to keep on going um, until about October and he's going to step in and be the starter. The strange I was thinking the same thing last week. The strange thing is they said you know they, they've said that Matt Pryor's our guy. Matt Pryor's our left tackle. 
well, if he's your left tackle, then why are you playing somebody else for 15 snaps a game? So, um, you know, I don't know if the phrase, if you've got two left tackles, you don't have any left tackles works here, but um, Ryman has come a long way, man. Like he was, he was rough to start camp. He has gotten better fast. And I think it's only a matter of time. I think October is a good guess. How'd you think that prior played to your eyeballs on Sunday? He was fine. Um, the other tackle was the problem, if you want me to be honest. Braden yeah. Smith, I don't think I've seen him play a worse half. Going back to last year's opener yep. against Seattle, but he was hurt. So, um, look, they, they don't handle speed on the edge well, neither of them, neither Pryor nor Smith. They just don't, and they're going to see a lot of it in the next couple of weeks. They're going to see it, and I don't care who Jacksonville is going to bring, whether it's Josh Allen or Trayvon Walker, the rookie. Like They're going to dial up some stunts and some blitzes, and they're going to bring pressure. And Matt Ryan's going to be a lot better at getting the ball out than his predecessor. But this is a concern. And as good as they can be in the middle at times, I thought Pinter struggled a little bit on Sunday. Smith and, and Pryor, and I've been saying this about Pryor for weeks, like it's just a concern. Like Pryor is a concern right now when they get speed on the edge, and it's not going to get any easier against these speed rushers in the next couple of weeks. Well, yeah, and, and there's no guarantee that it's going to get better when you replace him with a rookie either. I mean, it's this, right. and, this is danger. Again, this is dangerous territory, and it's also territory where we've all been down this path and questioned this for months upon months, and here we are. Yeah, and look, if if Ryman plays, if he gets the job and he plays, dude's not going to be perfect. He only played like eighteen games at left tackle in college, and and he's such a young football player. Like he's he played tight end and he played left tackle and like this is the nfl so it's gonna come fast and i think he's smart and i think he's really really been a good pro so far but it's like playing cornerback like you're gonna get beat it's it's not a perfect position and if you have 55 good snaps and three bad ones that's a bad day and that's a tough tough job to have i think he's built for it but he's really young and it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how he develops because i thought the line was was solid late, but very, very shaky early. It is so weird that sometimes when you look at it, it seems like the way that you win in this era of the NFL, it, it seems like that the owner wants to win right now and the general manager is comfortable in winning in years down the road. That's the way <laughs> that it kind of feels sometimes. Where's the, co- where's the coach fall down? The coach has to win right now, right? Yeah, well, he's, the coach is going to be in trouble if he doesn't win right now. There's no doubt, especially especially if you don't live up to expectations because he's still got to win and try to play off of that that coaxing, that talking the owner into bringing wins here a year ago, which is something that the owner uh, has yet to forget about, clearly. so. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Jim's forgot about that. No. Um, I'll tell you what, man, what, what they need in the worst way is – 44 to 17 on Sunday. Yes. They just need yeah. a no questions asked, beat down, get rid of the demons, take care of business, get a leg up in the AFC South. Um, they need that. They need I, that. I yes. think they can do that. Yeah. I think Matt Ryan might be the guy to just get them. What they need to do is get off to an early start. They need to get some confidence. I was talking to Ryan Kelly today, and he said, look, we got down early last year and we lost confidence. And, and, and you saw that if you watched the game. But it's just startling to hear that, the Colts, who were supposed to be a playoff team, lost confidence against a team that won three games and had the first pick. I think it was the Jets game a year ago where I called it the remember the Titans quote, leave no doubt. I mean, that's this is a game Sunday where you, you need to leave no doubt because there's a lot of doubt out there right now. Zach, I appreciate you more than you know, and we'll talk to you again coming up here. Have a great week. Thanks, dude. 
Zach Kiefer, the athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Duraco sizes up that week one loss in Washington for the Jaguars. Uh, the expectation in week two of their home opener against the Colts. Duraco's next. The Ride with JMV. Awesome! Totally awesome! All right, Hamilton. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Matt Taylor, Zach Kiefer, podcast 107.5thefan.com. Larcity Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots coming up tomorrow, week two. Me, Brent Halverson, Nally, and Miller. We're going to be at Joe's Grill in Fishers. More about that in a second on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Our good friend from Jacksonville from ESPN.com. He covers the Jaguars. Mike Duraco is with us. Is it lame? I guess what I should ask how many times do you do radio stations out of the Jacksonville market and they bring you on and play Skinnerd? Is that often? <laughs> it happens from time to time, yes. Yeah, I just um, wondered. I, I thought about that. I go, man, am I being incredibly unoriginal about doing this? Probably so. Uh, no, I mean, not all the time. Uh, you know, like I said, usually when they do, it's Sweet Home Alabama. So you were at least a little original that way. Yeah, I went that smell, which is uh, a lighthearted tune. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, Jacksonville used to smell years and years ago because of the paper mill plants around town, and then they cleaned that up so we don't stink anymore. Oh, everything's yeah. all good. I think uh, Terre Haute, Indiana had a similar problem when I went to Indiana State back in the day. So, yes, it's all all much better now. I, go ahead and size up that 28-22 Jaguars loss in Washington on Sunday with the good and the bad aspects that you watched. Uh, Well, the biggest thing that steps off the page to me as a good aspect is this team didn't just fold over. Um, I think, you know, the last year's team and even the teams, you know, the previous two or three years before that, they come down, they come out of the halftime 14 to three trailing and that game ends up 28 to 10 and the, the 10, the touchdown comes with like 112 left in the game. It's a garbage touchdown, but this team fought back um, and took the lead in the fourth quarter uh, made a couple of bad plays in the fourth quarter, wasn't able to hold it, obviously. But, you know, Jags fans around here probably don't want to hear it, but that does show a significant amount of progress based on where this franchise has been the last two years. Um, but here's the thing. They could have and should have won that game, but they just shot themselves in the foot pretty much all day long, uh, with an exception of like about a 12-minute stretch in that third and fourth quarter. But, you know, 13 penalties, uh, you know, a drop touchdown pass. Trevor Lawrence missed an open uh, in what should have been an easy touchdown pass early in the first quarter there on their first drive. Um, you know, it just just too many self-inflicted mistakes, some stupid penalties about guys lining up wrong and the, and the tight ends being covered. And it, it, it just inexcusable mental mistakes. And, and if they clean all that up, then they probably win that game. And, and to be honest with you, even if, Everything else stays the same. All the mistakes they made stay the same. And Travis Etienne catches the, the fourth down pass. He gets in the end zone. They score a touchdown. They probably go on to win that game. So um, a lot of the things that have hurt this team the last several years, the self-inflicted wounds showed up again. Uh, it, but I think the people around here in Jacksonville feel like this team's at least in better shape to kind of fix some of those. And they won't keep popping up week after week after week. 
Mike DiRocco of ESPN.com covers the Jaguars and the AFC South. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. We'll, we'll segue with you about ETN. I, I thought certainly he would be utilized a lot more than it looks that he was. Was that surprising to you, or was that just a part of the game plan and the flow of the game? Um, a little bit surprising because I didn't expect James Robinson to be used as heavily as he was because I just didn't think he would have the conditioning for it. He pretty much did nothing but individual work for 90% of training camp uh, and then participated in team work the last week, but no full contact, didn't play in a preseason game. So, you know, you guys know football shapes different from regular good shape. And I just wasn't sure he would be in good enough shape to really be a factor and effective if he was in there. And he certainly was. So, um, you know, they, they basically split the, 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 the snaps down the middle in the offense. I think it was 34, 36 um, for each of them. Um, you know, ETN was really effective when he ran the ball. Uh, I, I thought for sure that he would be getting more touches than he did. But the Jags were a little bit surprised at how well Robinson was going in terms of, like I said, the conditioning and for not having played since last December because of the torn Achilles. So I think they tried to ride that that hot hand a little bit more. It'll be interesting to see how the mix goes going forward because they weren't on the field at the same time at all, and I know they have some packages with that. So as we go forward, it'll be interesting and fun to kind of see what they do with those guys. But ETN certainly is the guy. There's two guys on that offense that are a threat to take it to the house whenever they touch it. It's ETN and Jamal Agnew. So I think we're going to see some more of ETN this week than we probably did last week. Well, talk a little bit about Agnew, too. How much do you think he will be a part of the offensive game plan against the Colts Sunday? Uh, you know, he had the long – I believe he had the long touchdown run against the Colts on an end-around yeah. last year in Indianapolis. I, I don't see him getting but maybe a handful of touches, yeah. you know, three or four. Nothing spectacular there. But, um, you know, they're just going to try and make sure that they do it so they can get him the ball in space because that's where he's obviously at his best. Um, and then it'll be like sort of like a gadget play. Maybe not, I shouldn't say gadget, but like an end around kind sure. of thing, maybe a quick wide receiver screen. You know, it's not like they're going to put him in the backfield and turn around and hand it off to him. Yeah, Duraco's with us. A lot was made about Christian Kirk signing him as a free agent to a lot of money. Six for 117 was his stat line with Trevor Lawrence throwing him at the football on Sunday. What did you think about when they, they made that mark and signed him compared to the output that you saw from him on Sunday? Well, you know, when they signed him uh, and the rest of the league was mad because it basically reset the receiver market, um, I was like, okay, well, this guy's never been a number one, um, and, and he's not you know, he's not a number one wide receiver in like the you know, Jamar Chase and Devontae Adams role, but he is their number one. And I was like, they better use him, uh, and they better get him the ball because he's probably one of the best playmakers they've got. And I think going into the, their last drive of the first half, he had only had one target. Um, and then they picked it up with him, obviously, in the second half. But after seeing him in camp and how much they got him the ball in camp uh, and the fact that he had eight targets in the only half of preseason ball he played, I kind of went into the season thinking, okay, this guy's going to catch 100 balls. There's, you know, if, if he doesn't catch 90, I'll be stunned. And, and the way that they used him uh, and targeted him heavily in the second half, um, you know, that just kind of validated what I thought. So he'll be the guy that uh, – that Trevor probably looks to the most going forward. Lawrence looked like what to you in week one? Uh, a guy who's still trying to figure it out a little bit. Um, and he he's wasn't particularly 
accurate. Uh, he missed a couple of throws that he should have hit, and he knows that, and he tells us that pretty openly. Yeah, I should have hit that one ETN in the end zone. Um, but he's also a guy that, that is going to have to get better at situational football. And by that, I mean, hey, look, you got a safer throw that might be only for seven yards, but you don't have to fit it in a tight window, or you don't have to try and, you know, toss it all the way down the field to a much lower percentage play. Um, take the short completion, keep the sticks moving, um, and, and don't don't get caught up in the I got to make a play, got to make a play um, when guys are in your face because that sort of happened to him twice, and he ended up trying to throw the ball away, got two intentional grounding uh, penalties. You know, sometimes you got to know when to eat it, and, you know, I don't think he's there yet on that. Um, but he's, he's a guy that does like to gamble, so there's a little bit of that you're going to have to live with. And um, I don't ever think that he's going to be one of those 68% completion guys. Uh, so, uh, you know, he's not going to, you know, it's not going to be, he's not a dink and dunk guy either. He does want to take it down the field. So with those kind of guys, generally you get a little bit le- lower completion percentage, but you know, he's still learning with this new staff and he's still learning with this new offense and still adjusting to those guys. So um, I expect him to get better as the season progresses with that kind of stuff. But uh you know, he, he's just still trying to figure it out. I, I, I was just talking with a, 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 another reporter in there, and, I, and maybe I'm wrong for doing it, but I give him a pretty good pass for what he had to deal with last year with the Urban Meyer debacle and that coaching staff and all the stuff that was going on and him trying to be a rookie and learn how to play in the NFL while having to deal with all of that. So I kind of look at him as like a rookie plus this year. And, um, you know, my harsher judgment on him will probably end up being next year. If he's still struggling with the same kind of stuff next year, then I think that's a big problem. So Mike DeRocco covers the Jaguars for ESPN.com with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. He was festive in feasting on the Colts back in January. Uh, Josh Allen chomping at the bit to get back at this Colts offensive line again. Yeah, you know, but but not because of last year's game. To to a man, the guys in the locker room are like, you know what, that's last year. We're not even – it's totally different, completely different team, completely different staff. Um, you know, we're not even thinking about all that. It's more of let's get back on the field because we've got to get uh, ourselves better and we've got to make up for the, the, the performance we had last week against the commanders because too many, like I said before, self-inflicted mistakes and they're – I, I don't get a sense that they're an angry team, you know, because of the way that they played as angry at themselves. But I do get a sense that there's maybe a little bit more of a, I guess, for lack of a better term, sense of urgency with these guys, just because they know that or they feel like they're better than they showed. And they know that if they don't make those kind of mistakes, then they can be a team that wins six, seven, eight, nine games, maybe more. Um, I still think they're rolling in that six, seven win range by the time the season's over, but they just really want to get back on the field, not only because they had success against the Colts, but they just want to get that bad taste out of their mouth. Trayvon Walker looked like he did some work in week number one. Yeah, you know, he had the sack, four tackles, and, and the interception, and, and uh, got tackled by the quarterback, but no one's making fun of him because I guess they're all afraid to make fun of Trayvon Walker. But right. to me, the most impressive part of that interception was not the the leaping catch, which though was pretty darn, you know, impressive because he had to extend but the fact that he's running up the field as a young pass rusher those guys go 900 miles an hour and their only thought is get to the quarterback get to the quarterback and he has the presence of mind to see Antonio Gibson kind of slide behind him a little bit and then recognize and realize it's going to be a screen 
and stop himself and then start to move over that way to put himself in position to make that interception. And that's uh, that's a really, really impressive thing for a young guy to do, especially in his first NFL game. So to me, that's the one thing that I thought of as the most um, interesting thing about the way he played is that he has some of that awareness that sometimes guys don't get right away. Mike DiRocco of ESPN.com, always with the great information with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. We'll see what happens. We'll see if Colts fans, because this, I mean, you saw how sluggish they came out of the gate in Houston, um, and you go down to a place that has not been kind to them. Then you get Kansas City and Tennessee at home and back-to-back dates. <laughs> this could start something. This could start something groundbreaking around here if things aren't careful. They don't handle themselves Sunday. Yeah, well, it's sort of the same kind of thing here for the Jags because they feel like they let one get away last week. They've got the Colts this week, yeah. and then they're at the L.A. Chargers, and then they're at the Philadelphia Eagles with the whole Doug Peterson thing hanging over their heads. And after the first weekend, if you ask me who was one of the two or three best teams in the NFC, I'd list the Eagles as one of them. So it's not going to be an easy start for this group uh, either if they don't win this week uh, against the Colts. Morocco, you're the man. I appreciate you. Enjoy the game Sunday. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you having me. You got Mike DiRocco of ESPN.com. Always fantastic right here. Quick break. Race of the days next. 